Well, just to bring everybody up to speed, because we got some visitors in the house today, but last week uh, we started a two-part series called Set Free, and I shared with you last Sunday about being stuck. Because I believe a lot of us can get stuck. And we talked about getting stuck in the wilderness. And we attributed the, the wilderness that the Israelites went through as the New Testament uh, kind of transforming our mind. And I want to continue along the discussion about being stuck today to where we can be set free. Amen. Uh, we talked about the distinction between salvation and liberation. And we told everybody that it is possible to get saved, but still need to be set free in certain areas of our lives. We talked about that we are sinners, that all of us fall short of the glory of God, which we are all sinners at one time, unless we came to the Lord Jesus Christ because we heard the gospel, we repented of our sins, and we then accepted the sacrifice of the Lord Jesus Christ, and we're free from the penalty of sin, but we're not free from the wounds of the past. We're not free from being sinned against by people who hurt us or harm us. So when we come to faith from that perspective, yes, all of our personal sins have been washed away. But there are after effects in our life. There is hurt, there is damage, there is pain of somebody sinning against you. And unfortunately, though you're saved, that can linger well into your life. We compared it to the Israelites of putting the blood on the doorpost of the house as Jesus applying the blood to the believer. We said how the Israelites came out of Egypt. They were saved out of Egypt, but they also needed to be set free or or needed to be liberated from the oppressive influence of the pain and the hurt from the past. We also compared our lives to Lazarus as being in the tomb where Jesus raised him from the dead. And yes, he woke up, but he was around a bunch of people that were dead. And he was wrapped in grave clothes. He was awake, but he was stuck. And that's why Jesus said, I loosed him. or I woke him up. Now you loose him and let him go. We have to be the ones to rip the dead grave clothes off of us in order to enjoy this life and and lay them down at the feet of the cross. So I want to continue along this lines today. And the reason is, is because there is nothing worse, nothing more miserable than being a Christian, but still being bound by hurt. And still being bound by pain. And when I say bound, I don't want your mind to immediately think about sin. Because some of you in this room, you're bound by how you see yourself. You can be bound by how you relate to other people. You've just got this attitude that really God wants to adjust. But you know what? You just continue this attitude from person to person. Some of us can be bound in how we even handle money. There are a lot of ways, church, that we can be bound, which are not necessarily sin, but they are a result of past hurt and past pain. And it can affect the quality of your life. So today, I've simply come by to challenge some stuff in your mind. Because we told you that the battleground lies right here, and you've got to get victory right here if you're going to be free. Amen? So let's look quickly at Numbers chapter 11.
Let's look at verse 1 through 9. And keep your Bible out because we're going to jump into it a little bit more. Verse 1 through 9 in chapter 11. Now the people complained about their hardships in the hearing of the Lord. And when he heard them, his anger was aroused. Then fire from the Lord burned among them and consumed some of the outskirts of the camp. When the people cried out to Moses, he prayed to the Lord and the fire died down. So that place was called Taberah because fire from the Lord had burned among them. The rabble with them began to crave other food. And again, the Israelites started wailing and said, if we only had meat to eat. We remember, somebody underlined the word remember, we remember the fish we ate in Egypt. Also the cucumbers, the melons, the leeks, onions and garlic. But now we have lost our appetite. We see nothing but this manna. The manna was like coriander seed and looked like resin. The people went around gathering it and then ground it in a hand mill or crushed it in mortar. And it tasted something made with olive oil. When the dew settled on the camp at night, the manna also came down. Let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, help us today to take a look at ourselves, examine ourselves, and realize that we have to be free from these things. And teach us today how to be free. You have to do a supernatural work today. It doesn't come easy. Move amongst your people. It's in Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, Amen. Church, from this text, you can actually see that there is a frustration, if you will, about being set free. And I know it's hard to think, how in the world could anybody be frustrated with being set free? How in the world could anybody be frustrated with liberation? Give me enough time and I'll explain it to you today, okay? Here's the deal, is from this text we can find that there's a frustration because it's important to know, church, that when we talk about liberation, you have to understand first and foremost that from God's perspective, it is His will for everybody in here to be set free. God's will is for everybody in this place to enjoy the freedom which comes by being a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ. That's why the Bible says where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom, and whom the Son sets free is free indeed. All of us want the free indeed part, amen? So whenever the Spirit of God begins to direct your life, He wants you to have freedom. He wants you to have freedom so that you can do the things that God is calling you to do without being restricted by the past hurts and the past pains that have come into your life, whether that be through a person or an event. So as we look to the Israelites, we saw that they left Egypt. We saw that they went through the Red Sea, but we also see in the process that they were intimidated by Pharaoh because Pharaoh was still chasing them. And my question to everybody in this room today has, have you ever gotten away from something that was still chasing you? Have you ever gotten away from something, but it's still chasing you in your life? It 
hasn't gotten away from you. Because with that in mind, let's look real quickly at Exodus chapter 14. Exodus chapter 14, verse 13 and 14. They are being set free from Egypt. They're headed towards the Red Sea. And they still have that feeling, because it it was real, that Pharaoh and the chariots were chasing them. Even though they were out, something was still chasing them. Now watch this. Verse 13. Moses answered the people, Do not be afraid. Stand firm and you will see the deliverance the Lord will bring you today. Watch this. The Egyptians you see today, you will never see again. The Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. The I don't know who you are in this place. But you've walked in this room. And there are some enemies that you're dealing with. There's some things that you still feel like are chasing you after all of these years. And the Lord wants to tell you that when you are set free indeed, you will never see it again. Oh, see, if you really knew about being bound, that's some shouting material right there. When God says you will never see something again, that makes me want to do the Holy Ghost dance. Are you hearing me? See, see, to understand that God is so interested in my freedom that He wants to free me from the predator and not only free me from the predator, but it comes with a guarantee that says I'll never have to deal with that thing again makes me want to shout a voice of triumph and feel the victory in this place. But here's the deal. You might have to deal with something else. Because they did. They had to deal with the Amalekites and the Hittites and the Jebusites and the Ammonites. There may be something else along the way. But that thing in your life right now that has held you down for so long. That pain, that hurt. God wants to destroy it today in such a comprehensive way. That you can be rest assured in this church today. That you'll never be bound by that thing again, you will be free indeed. Can we give him some praise in this place? No wonder little Miriam, after she looked behind her and saw that the chariots, the 600 chariots, were drowning in the Red Sea and turned around and saw, oh, oppressive predator Pharaoh drowning in the Red Sea. No wonder she walked over and picked that little tambourine and started beating it on her side and singing praises unto God until the glory of God fell down and they had a Holy Ghost service. Are you hearing me this morning? She knew that she was free. She knew that that was shouting material. And church, it's a great thing to be free. Anytime you are free from anything that once had you, and you know that you'll never be bothered by that again. Oh yeah, absolutely. Woo! Glory to God. You should come in this church knowing and celebrating your liberation. But here's what I found as a pastor, and I believe any pastor in this room can testify to this fact, is that even after people get saved, obviously for some, 
there is a residue effect. There is a residue effect from the hurt and the pain. Anytime you've been hurt by anything, anytime you've been hurt by anyone, it goes beyond a geographical location. What? Well, Israel came out of Egypt, went into another geographical location, but things still followed them. You can be set free. You can be away from the predator. You can be away geographically. Maybe somebody hurts you back there, but you're now right here. The residue can still haunt you. And the residue can still affect you. God removed them from Egypt. They went through the Red Sea. Here they are in the wilderness. And according to the book of Numbers, they're still dealing with the residual effect. But he had to get that residual effect out of them in order for them to get to the promised land. See, what we have to understand in our Christian journey, there are sometimes we will go through wilderness experiences. And it's in the wilderness experience that God wants to purge you. He wants to get things out of you that don't need to be there and place things inside of you that He wants in there to get you through the wilderness to get you to your freedom. Are you hearing me this morning? There are things jammed in our mind that He wants to purge. There are corrupt files in our mind that He wants to purge. And understand that God does allow us to go through certain things to purge us from negative influences that once have dominated our life. And God knows exactly what to take you through to strain you. Take out what He doesn't want and place in you what He does want. So here's the reality, church. Being set free is a process. It's not a one-time event. For some, yes, maybe. But I've been in this thing long enough. Over 20 years of ministry experience. Deliverance, being set free. It is a process. It is not an event. Why, pastor? Deliverance is difficult. It's difficult because of the residue effect that stays in your life. Yes, they left Egypt. Yes, you have left sin. You've dissociated yourself from the sinful nature. The old is gone, the new has come. But there's still a challenging problem in your life that continues to manifest in your life. Let me break it down for you, see if you can't understand it. In the process of being set free, you must understand that for 400 years, somebody say 400 years. 400 years these people identified themselves as slaves. 400 years they woke up every day knowing that they were slaves. Understood themselves as slaves. Looked at the mirror, saw themselves as slaves. Why? Because slavery was their normal. But they prayed against their normal. They cried out against their normal. But every day it was still their normal. And they didn't understand, church, that after spending years and years and years of defining themselves as a slave, that once they came into the promised land, now they had to deal with, who am I now? What am I now? How am I supposed to operate now? So my question to you this morning is, what is the thing... That defines you. That is not in line 
with the Word of God. It could be a habit that defines you. For some people in this room, it could be an addiction that defines you. It could be your anger that defines you. And when you blow up, it's just, well, that's just the way that I am. (laughs) Well, it defines you. It could be a, a, a temperament or a personality trait that defines you. And you're allowing it to find you. Because whatever you define yourself by or define yourself through, when you do get liberated, then you have to wrestle with this new creation in Christ and go, who am I apart from how I used to act? Who am I now apart from what I used to be? Are you with me this morning? Now, one would think, why would anyone, Pastor want to continue to be tied to something that hurts them or causes them pain. Why would anybody want to be tied to an anger issue? Because not only is it hurting them, it's hurting the whole entire family, it's hurting the kids. Why would anybody want to be tied to anything that causes them pain? Listen, there is a strange reality and a statistical fact that many people who have been hurt, that many people who have pain... Stay tied to that hurt and stay tied to that pain and it begins to define who they are. What is the thing that's hurting you? What is the thing that's hurting you that you find it difficult to detach from, to break away from? And then, then, then here, here, here's the kicker. To top it off, you have people, whether that be pastors or, or mothers or fathers or, or Christians that, that come into your life and, and try to help you. But you push them away. What do you mean, pastor? Well, Moses was trying to help the Israelites. He led them through the Red Sea. He was trying to deliver the Israelites and they turned on him. And the hardest thing in the world is helping somebody who is bound and doesn't want to get set free from the definition of who they are. To all the Moseses in this room that you've tried to help people. You would think that if I help people, that if I loan them money or if I encourage them, that they would appreciate me. But let me tell you as a pastor, that's not true. The very same people that you're trying to help, the very same people that you're loaning money, the very same people that you're trying to coach through life, the very same people that you're trying to give wisdom and knowledge to are often the same people that turn around and attack you. Some of you know it to be true. Your daughter comes home and says, Mama, oh my goodness, he's treating me like an animal. So what do you do? You go talk to the son-in-the-law and say, stop it. And then what happens? She calls up and goes, would you just stay out of our business and leave me alone? Oh, I know that's never happened to y'all because y'all don't have any goofy daughters, right? But it happens. Why? Because when a person defines themselves through a hurt or through a pain or through a bad past experience... Through a dependency on drugs, through a person, through a habit. They're usually not going to come out and be free. Because they have grown accustomed to seeing themselves as bound. 
It has become their normal, even as a Christian. And some people are so afraid to redefine themselves through the light of the Word of God because they're hooked on the definition of who they are. They're hooked on pain and they're hooked on hurt. And I know I will not be the most popular pastor in the panhandle because this pastor gets up every Sunday and tells you the truth and doesn't really tickle your ears and say, it's okay to live that way. Go on about your way. Come back next Sunday and give me all your money where we can grow this church. I want you to be free to where you can have the liberty and the freedom to live this life with nothing tied to you. So I'm going to tell you, I'm going to peel back that onion layer inside of you and get down to the nitty gritty. Amen? You can be hooked on pain just like you're hooked on trash. You can be hooked on pain just like you're hooked on gossip. Lord knows I read some of your Facebook page. Some of you are hooked on drama. You post things just to start drama. And it works because you got a whole bunch of other junkies hooked on drama. Are you hearing me? Women can get hooked on bad boys and they're not happy until they're beat. They're not happy until they belittle them and put them down and talk bad about them. Why? Because we define ourselves by our past situation and it's hard to break free from seeing myself as a slave every single day. Because there was more to the Israelites' liberation than a simple geographical relocation. And I can't tell you how many times I laugh where people are like, you know, Pastor, we're just going to move and get away from all this junk. And I'm like, ha, 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 okay. Because you're going to take that junk with you. Are you hearing me? Oh, pastor, I'm just going to jump from church to church to church. Now these, look, I know we've had some people jump out of a church into this church. But some of y'all are stable, okay? You've been there like 15 years, seven. I'm talking about people that only give the church about a month. And and when we're not tickling your ears, they jump from church to church to church. Because finally, they get a pastor that's going to tell them, quit doing that junk. And they don't like to hear that, so they just jump. And guess what happens? That definition is going to jump into the other church. Wherever you go... That hurt and the pain is going to follow you unless you learn how to transform your mind. Are you hearing me this morning? Moses led the Israelites out of Egypt. They went through the Red Sea. Pharaoh drowned. He is deader than a doornail. 600 chariots are going... And they're dying. And they shouted the victory shout. Baby, they had a Pentecostal Holy Ghost service when Miriam beat that tamarind. I mean, everybody was hooping and hollering. You know how everybody does it at the exact time at the same song every single Sunday. We, oh, you know, we have a great time in church. But then they had to wake up to Monday morning. They had a great church service. But they had the Monday morning blues of who am I now? That I'm outside of the church, outside of the experience. And I look myself in the mirror and I'm still bound by hurt and I'm still bound by pain. People are struggling to define themselves and here we are as Christians out in the wilderness journey and we're frustrated. Why? Because anytime you go through transition... Anytime you go through a change, believe me, 
you will murmur and you will complain. (laughs) Some people will even have anger and hostility. Why? Because God is purging you. God is weaning you. God is getting that thing out of your life that you've been addicted to. God is getting you out of that defeated mentality. Weaning you from fear. Weaning you from negative thinking. Weaning you from habit. Weaning you from anger. Weaning you from your childish ways. Weaning you from your selfishness. And anytime God is weaning you and working in you and trying to change you, believe me, I know it's hard. It's hard because it's personal. It's hard because it is private. And I don't want all these church folks to know I got all this junk in my trunk. So like I said last week, we're just going to come into the church and smile and say, bless you, brother. I'm good. And I did a little song that I cannot repeat. I promise you. I tried to go home and do it again because I thought it was so good. But I can't. But but (laughs) here's the thing is when people come face to face with change, usually they go into denial. Don't believe me? What do you mean by denial, pastor? People that are really struggling to come out of a definition of themselves or from the past hurt and the past pain, they go into denial. It's everybody else's fault. If you wouldn't have done me the way that you've done me, I wouldn't have reacted the way that I reacted. If you grew up the way that I grew up, you would be the way that I am. If you had to go through what I had to go through. Wah. See these right here? Smallest violins in the world. Playing your little tune. Get some cheese with your wine, baby. Because listen to me. What you're really communicating to me is I'm not ready to accept the change that God has in my life. When you blame it on everybody else, you're saying, I'm not ready to change. And this is why I have come to realize it is hard to raise a teenager. (laughs) Oh yeah, from age 1 to 12, they were cute. Even their poop was like, oh, look at the little poopy. They were as sweet as gingerbread. But then they turn 13 and their head starts spinning around and green stuff comes out of their mouth and fire shoots from their eyes and they say, I hate you and I don't love you anymore. (laughs) Everybody say, I got one like that. But here's the deal, church, is what they're saying to you is, Mama, change don't come easy. They're saying, Daddy, change doesn't come easy. Because when they say these things, teens are in a dilemma. They're in a dilemma that I'm too old to fit into the role of being a little boy and I'm too young to be an adult. So I'm out here in the wilderness and I'm frustrated and I'm confused. I'm too out to be in. I'm too in to be out. I, and for y'all, I'm too much of a slave to be free, but I'm too free to be a slave. And you are in frustration. 
And when I talk to you this morning, this is not about you not being saved. This is not about you being a a backslidden condition. But what you have to understand is you are saved enough to leave Pharaoh. But Pharaoh's influence has not left you. You're saved enough to leave sin and become a Christian. But the pain and the hurt has not left you. And again, don't limit this to sin or you would get off very easy today. Sometimes you can be metamorphosized because the Bible says to transform your mind and that word there is metamorphosis and sometimes God is calling you a swan but you're still thinking like an ugly duckling. So all the stuck people in the room To all the frustrated people in the room. You are here as a Christian and you are conflicted because you move geographically from from the darkness unto the light. From the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light. The old person is gone. The new person has come. You have moved geographically. It's called the kingdom of God. But you're not prepared for the new you intellectually. You've had a spiritual experience. It's supernatural to be saved. But intellectually, we're not caught up. So the question is, is do you really want to be free? Do you really want to walk in the purpose that God has for you? Or do you come in here Sunday after Sunday and you're so hooked on pain that actually you're walking out, sabotaging the success, wanting to go back to the hurt, back to the past experience, because for you, that definition of who you are is your Normal. It's familiar. It's how you operate. It's how you function. It's how you survive. And people all the time go back to Egypt because it's familiar. That's why some people can't handle a good job. That's why some people can't handle a good husband. That's why some people can't handle a good church. Some people can't handle a good pastor. Because they keep going back to what's familiar. And when the pastor begins to come after that, which is not normal, though you think it's normal, you like to go back to another church that just makes you feel good. Are you hearing me this morning? Listen to me. We say things like I grew up in it. I was raised in it. I define myself by it. And I don't want to go through the conflict of real transformation, Pastor. Because I have to deal with my mentality. I have to deal with my attitude. And Lord knows you're forcing me to confront my past. The question is, is do you really want to be transformed by the renewing of your mind? Do you really want to metamorphosize into that new person? And sometimes that is hard because that new person that the Bible describes, you've never met them before. You don't know who that is. You mean I got to be this? Oh Lord, I've been this for so long. So here's Moses. He leads the people out. They are out for the first time, say it again, 400. They were out for uh, the first time in 400 years. They've been crying for their freedom. Finally, they have freedom and they're still not happy. And I've been asked by many people, Pastor, why can't we just bring people forward? You just lay your hands on them, anoint them with oil. I mean, look, this person needs a bucket full. Just dump it on them and let them be free. 
So those of you that asked, I asked the Lord. I was like, Lord, why, why can't we do that? And the Lord told me, he says, son, you can break the bondage that has been on the person through the blood of Jesus Christ. But you cannot break the hold that the person has on the bondage. That's free will. You choose to hold on to it. You choose to walk around with it. Moses was great at getting them out of Egypt. But he had a horrible time trying to get Egypt out of them. And here they are, they're out of Egypt, but Egypt isn't out of them. And they're in the wilderness, and look at what they said in, your, in, in Numbers chapter 11. They said, we remember the fish that we ate. And there's the problem, is all of us have the ability to remember. And I find it strange, you know what, I would be a better person if I didn't remember all the memories in my life. And I'll be going along and it is funny to me how strange things can pop into my mind without any spiritual permission. Here I am eating an ice cream cone, just licking that thing, thinking all things great and be like, what the sting? And weird past experiences pop into my mind. They said we remember the fish we ate in Egypt at no cost. Watch this. And the cucumbers, melons... Leeks, onions, and garlic. I mean, just look at that menu. First of all, cucumbers give me gas, okay? (laughs) I know my wife don't want me to go back to cucumbers, all right? But I'm thinking, and think this through with me. If they can remember that, why can't you remember the beatings? Why can't you remember the rape? Why can't you remember the murders? Why can't you remember the fact that you had to make bricks just with straw? Why can't you remember those things? And isn't it funny, church, how the enemy will give you selective amnesia? Girl, I've decided. I'm going back to Fred. (laughs) Oh, you know he's a good person. Do you remember that one time? I got a picture right here on my phone. It's in a Facebook. It just popped up for your memory. You remember how he gave me this box of chocolate for Valentine's Day? Girl, I got to go back to Fred. So if we could just shut that off, I'd greatly appreciate it. (laughs) And my question is, is you may, may remember the box of chocolates, but do you remember when Fred kicked you and got you down on the ground and tried to strangle you? I don't understand why people have selective amnesia. God was good to them. They turned to God and said, but now we've lost our appetite and we never see anything with this manna. And you know what that's called in the Christian realm? The 80-20 rule. God did everything that he needed them to do. But all they could do was focus that they didn't have spicy food. So what were they willing to do? They were willing to give up everything that God was doing for them to go back to garlics, to leeks, and to onions. I mean, seriously? Let me break this down for you. What we all want in life 
is somebody to be 100%. Everybody that we encounter, 100%, 100%, 100%. We want our husbands to be 100%. We want our wives to be 100%. We want our pastors to be 100%. We want our churches to be 100%. Not to mention, you're not even 100% yourself. But we want everybody to be 100%. So here's the deal. When we're getting 80%, but you want 100%, 20% seems so important. That's why people get divorced all the time. Is they only get an 80, they want the 20. So they'll run over here to the person that's got the 20. And then once they get the 20, they realize that really it's not 100, 80. So they run back to the person that's 80. Are you hearing me this morning? The 80-20 rule happens all the time. 20 looks so huge when you're not getting it. It's enough to draw you away, but it's not enough to keep you to stay. And here they were, as they were complaining about the 20%. God had done everything for them, but they were willing to go back into the bondage and to go back to what defined them over leeks, garlic, and onions. They are on the brink of the breakthrough church. They had spent 400 years with Pharaoh. They were bound to the oppression of Pharaoh. So to really get free, the Holy Spirit showed me, is son, people have to get a new appetite. They have to start getting an appetite when they come into the church and come into worship. They've got to get an appetite for freedom. Follow with me here. Remember I said the transformation and transformation can make you uncomfortable. How do I know? Because when Moses was leading them out, at the very beginning of their freedom, they started complaining. They said, you should have left us in Egypt. And watch what Moses says. He doesn't say, you're bad little Christians. He says, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid of what? Anger is always a manifestation of fear, insecurity, or intimidation. The problem is, church, as long as you're afraid to be re-identified by Jesus Christ, you will still be bound to the definition of your pain and hurt. And the way to know if you're still bound by something or someone, here's a test. When Fred does walk into the room and your girlfriend goes, there he is, girl, where, where, where? Oh my gosh, hide me, Lord, hide me. You're still bound By his hurt that he has over your life. And detaching yourself from anything that you're connected to can be difficult. So here you are in the wilderness. You've got to develop a new appetite for something new. And here you are, you know because you're in church that God's will is the best. You know that God's word is great. But sometimes the new you, this new thing that you have to be, sometimes it can taste funny. Because you'd be surprised at the good stuff that you think tastes funny. Some of you think somebody loving you, that tastes funny. Good times. Hmm. Success. Freedom. Prosperity. When you're not used to it, it tastes funny. When you have not given yourself permission to have a new appetite and move into a good thing, you can secretly sabotage what God wants to do in you. 
And I'm telling you, it is hard to evolve. And most Christians won't do it. How could you say that, Pastor? Because most of Israel didn't do it. Most of them died in the wilderness journey. And they resisted the change. Matter of fact, the Bible says, but the message they heard was of no value to them because they did not share the faith of those who obeyed. It could not help them because they could not believe it for them. It could not help them because they could not get a new appetite for who God said they were going to be. And they died out there in the wilderness because they couldn't accept the transformation that God was doing in them. So church, I've come by to tell you, do not die in the battlefield of your mind. Here they are. God is giving them food called manna. Somebody say manna. I can tell you that manna was better than leeks and onions. Because when I look at them eating the luxuries of the Egyptians' food, guess what? They were weary and tired. They got worn out. People were raped and people were murdered. And now God's given them manna and they were never weary and they never wore out. Nobody was ever raped. Nobody was ever murdered. And the Bible says their shoes didn't wear out and their clothes never wear out. So I'm telling you, manna was a whole lot better for them than the past. So my question to you now is, what do you do (laughs) when you don't like what God gives you? What do you do when God gives you the best for you, but it doesn't taste like what you thought it was going to taste like? What do you do when you ask for His will and pray and pray and He sends it and you're like, what is this? This tastes funny. And many times through the wilderness, I'm telling you, the new things of God sometimes do not appeal to slave-like taste buds. Look at what they said. The the manna was like coriander seed seed, and looked like resin. Now watch this. Then they said, and it tasted like something made with olive oil. The preacher in me says, ooh, the Holy Ghost. But the cook in me says, wait a minute, that don't taste like nothing. Because fresh oil doesn't really have a taste. When you were living in hell and you were crying out for peace, peace came and it seems tasteless. Here you are, now your house is in biblical order and it's kind of tasteless. I I saw on somebody's post, they they were talking about staying home and somebody said, well, why don't y'all just get drunk? And they're like, we haven't done that in forever. But see, to the drunk, that's exciting. But to the Christian, sometimes it can seem tasteless because we're just boring. Now, I like what they said. They said, run around the house naked. And I was like, yeah! No, I'm just kidding. See, things pop in my head, y'all, okay? Without any spiritual permission. So erase, 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 okay? Just do that. If you were a court reporter, I'd be like, hey, just eliminate that part there. Don't submit that into evidence. But see, here you are, you and your husband used to yell and scream and fight and cuss and curse and throw things at each other, and now you've prayed for peace, and y'all are sitting there watching a movie, and it's quiet, and you're like, it's kind of quiet around here, (laughs) ain't it? Because sometimes it can be tasteless, but it's the best thing for you. Sometimes fresh oil seems like it's not working. 
And when it seems like it's not working, it's because you're addicted to your past. And that's where you've got to transform your mind. There is a frustration in liberation and it centers around the fact that you haven't got into the Word of God and began to develop an appetite for the better things of God. And when you get into the Word and you've got that appetite, guess what? That past begins to go away. But if you don't ever get that appetite, you will continue to identify to where you were come from. You continue to identify yourself with what you did. And you foolishly wake up every day, look in the mirror and think that is who you are. That is why when you get into the Word of God and you really begin to define who you are, that's why you got to drop some old stuff, drop some old thinking, drop some old ideas, drop some old philosophies, drop an old appetite, and let God begin to transform you with the Word of God, renewing your mind with who He says you are, or if you're not careful, the past and the pain is going to come and start pushing your buttons. How many of you got a kid that has a remote control car? That's the way I attribute some people's lives as a Christian. Back when I was a kid, we had matchbooks cards and we wanted to go into the kitchen, we just had to throw it. But now they can sit on the sofa and control that thing with a button and that thing can go anywhere in the house that they desire it to go. No wires, no nothing. But that kid's still controlling it. Because whatever the control master says... That car does. There's nothing wrong with the car. That car ain't crazy. And that car ain't weak. But there's just a little mechanism inside that car that is connected to the remote. And as long as the mechanism is in the car and still connected to the remote, that car can move beyond the geographical location of the living room and go into the kitchen, but still controlled by every button that kid presses. And listen to what Jesus said. He said, for the prince of the world comes. He comes with the world system. He comes with world thoughts. He comes and He speaks in your head. He comes and He tells you lies. He comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Jesus said, the prince of this world comes. But I love what He says. Because He says, and He has nothing in me. And I'm telling you, nothing can control you if when the enemy comes, it can't find anything in you. And God said, I will do a new thing inside of you. The old is gone. The new is come. The former things have passed away. The enemies that you see today, you will see no longer. Can you give Him praise in this place? So I know it's hot. The AC is about to kick on and I've gone long. But as the musicians come, come on up. Listen to me. That's great, Pastor. I love the little analogy about the mechanism in me, but could you tell me how to get it out of me? How many of you are breathing today? Okay, good. You breathe in oxygen, okay, but you exhale carbon dioxide. Why do you exhale carbon dioxide? You don't need it anymore. It's not useful to you. I breathe in oxygen because it is useful 
And it is functional to me. It helps me to think. It helps my heart to beat. It helps me to get from one end of the stage to the other. Oxygen is functional to me. But that which remains that is no longer functional, carbon dioxide, guess what? I, everybody take a deep breath and go. And go. Those that hunger and thirst for righteousness shall be filled. As a deer pants for the water, new appetite, so my soul thirsts for you. If I'm going to get the mechanism out through reading the word, I've got to breathe it in. And like James says, when I look into the mirror and I see all those things are not functional for me, I breathe them out. Through the renewing of my mind, I take in what is helpful and I repent for what is not helpful. And I get that mechanism out of me. The children of Israel were is on the greatest verge of the powerful breakthrough of their life. Over one million people left Egypt and only a handful made it to free indeed. Why? Because most people cannot deal with the frustration of their wilderness. It's going to lead you to transformation, I promise you. But they're not willing to deal with it. Why? Because getting into this every day, listen, it can be hard work, I understand. But some of you exercise every day. And when I look at my belly and I look at you, I'm like, that's hard work. Are you hearing me? This is hard work too. It's hard work to have the discipline of prayer. It's hard work to have the discipline of reading the Word. And some people won't change because they never get into the Word. So what do they do? They go back to the abuse of what is familiar. And until I get into the Word, until I am convinced that I'm too high to live this low. When I read the word, I realize I'm too free to be this bound. Until I can start convincing myself of that. If you cannot get yourself convinced that this is the best thing for you, you will hang around the tombs of dead people and be bound by those things that are wrapped around you. Because you can't see how to get free because it's too hard and you put it down. I'm encouraging you. You've got to transform your mind. And if you don't transform your mind, it's going to be frustrated. How do I operate amongst all these free folks? You must learn how to taste and enjoy the new normal. There's nothing wrong with the new normal unless you're so hooked on the abusive spices of leeks, garlics, and onions. And the way to break the tie of your past is the fascination of the preferred future. When I look in here, I get fascinated about who he tells me I am. 
I get joy about who he tells me that I am. So I want to wake up every day. Tell me more, Daddy. (laughs) Tell me how proud you are of me. Tell me how you look at me and see me as the apple of your eye. Tell me that I am an overcomer. That I am the head and not the tail. That I'm not fighting to victory, but from victory. Oh, Daddy, what you say about me so awesome. My preferred future. And and see, if you can live in where you're going, rather than wrestle with where you've been, you will be set free. If you can become so engrossed in the person that he says you're becoming, rather than remaining attached to the person that the past says you are, you will be set free. If you can spend all of your energy in the Word instead of posting your junk on Facebook and learn how to operate in the kingdom of God rather than digressing back to something that God never wanted you to have in the first place, you can be set free. But we have to have an appetite for the new normal. And baby, when you get an appetite for the new normal, you can run through troops. You can leap over tall buildings in a single bound. Are you hearing me this morning? God wants to deliver you. Is there anybody in this room that you're feeling victory in your spirit from these teachings? Anybody? Stand to your feet all over this place. I apologize for the heat today. We'll make sure it's on like negative 50 next week. Is it just me or is it hot? all y'all folks see if y'all wouldn't fall asleep during my messages all that hot air wouldn't come out (laughs) look we're going to take communion today to celebrate our freedom this is not a funeral service because some of us come This is not a funeral service, y'all. This is victory. This is victory. I said this is victory. The blood that covers my sin. The body that was broken for my freedom. So when I come down, I'm like, God is great. He gave me communion and a little cake. Woo! Hallelujah. And I'm not making fun of it, but that's the truth we got to stop coming down here all somber and like we're coming to a funeral. Baby, I'm coming to the fact that there was no funeral. <laughs> I'm coming to the fact that He rose again. He set me free. And whom the sun sets free is free indeed. So we're going to come down here celebrating communion, thanking Him for the cup, thanking Him for the bread, and believing for His soon return. And then when He returns, He'll find in me that all my chains are gone, baby. Amen? Let's pray. Father, thank You for today. Free people left and right. And as they come to partake of this communion, let this be the meal that heals. Let this be the meal that frees them. Let them begin to see their preferred future of who you say they are. Let them come into that freedom. Let them feel it, not just intellectually, but let them have it experientially. 
So Father God, we thank you for the cup. And we thank you for the bread. Now we come down here with our shoulders square and our head held up high saying, you know what, Pharaoh? (laughs) You should have killed me when you had me. But since you didn't, I'm going to fight and I'm going to keep fighting for my victory in Jesus' name. Would you come down here and partake of communion?